Tandem Nomads, episode 258. Writing in plain language will help you communicate and connect better with your target clients, um, especially when they're diverse and international, as many of our clients are. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and resources to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life, as well as through any transition in life. This is your host, Emel Deregi. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. So here's one thing you might not know if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time. I actually started this podcast in 2015 thinking that this is going to be the best way for me to avoid writing. <laughs> I really thought that starting a podcast will make me skip that big hurdle and belief that I had about writing because we'll talk about the audiences that you want to help through your writing and through your content. And for me, that was a big hurdle to write. And I realized down the road that there's no way to avoid writing, but there's another belief and myth that has changed over time is that writing can be simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. You can keep it simple so that you can be effective with your communication, but also inclusive with your communication to make sure that everybody really uh, feels like what you're offering is accessible to them. So I'm really excited to talk about this with somebody who's very passionate about simple writing and effectiveness in your writing as, as well as inclusion. So I'm really excited to welcome here Emma Naito. Emma, are you ready for this ride? Yes, definitely. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here, Emma. And am I pronouncing your last name properly, Naito? Yes. Perfectly. Oh, Beautiful. Perfect. Wonderful. So Nomad Nation, a few words about Emma. Emma is the founder of the Clarity Editor. She's a bilingual scholar editor who loves clear, plain English. She edits for social science, academics, and international development organizations. And she grew up between Tokyo and the United States East Coast. And now she's based in Bangkok. In her past career, Emma was a project manager for organizations like UNICEF and the International Labor Organization. Today, she's going to talk to you about how she pivoted to creating her business, but also give you some real practical tip and inspiration about how you can write mindfully so that you can attract your audience in a in a most effective way but also to be inclusive of those who don't necessarily uh, necessarily speak english very well but also for yourself to make it easier for yourself before i go any further emma to ask you that question there's one thing i want to highlight here while we talk about this is how most of the people who listen to tandem nomads have a very global audience and that's why i really wanted to have emma here in nomad nation because i know that a lot of you are having portable businesses with a very diverse audience. And I do think that it's super important to remember that, although maybe most people in the world speak English. Um, I know those of you who are listening here, I wanna thank you, first of all, if English is not your native language and you are taking the time to listen to this. And I realize sometimes even when I speak, maybe I am speaking too fast or things like that. When English is not even my native language. So I want to acknowledge that before we go into that topic. Um, and hopefully this will help you all who are listening to think about that aspect. How can you make sure to be mindful of your diverse audience? So Emma, before we go into this fascinating topic, I want to know a little more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey in a few words, your global journey, as well as what made you go from working from these big organizations to suddenly focus on editing, create your business around helping organizations 
edit their content better. Yeah. So again, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I've been listening to your podcast for oh. a couple of years now, so it's really exciting to be here. My pleasure. Um, so I, yeah, like Emel, you already said, but I, I have a Japanese passport, but I grew up half in Japan, half in the U.S., and so. I was kind of going back and forth. Um, learned English as a child, so I actually, I don't even go with now. I can't say like I'm a native speaker because I don't even know what that means、um, because I wasn't born into English. But it's obviously my dominant professional language, and I sound very American. <laughs>、um, so anyway, I.、Um, Was working for the、uh, some UN organizations and doing project management because, of course, when you speak more than one language, people are like, "Oh, you should work for the UN." So I thought, okay, <laughs> why not? But then I was on some contracts, and just as my contract was ending, I had well my third child, and I thought, well, maybe I should be do the stay at home mom, focus on this also for visa issues as well because I was I am still living in Thailand, but I I can't just Live here, and work normally because of my visa restrictions. So I was a stay-at-home mom,、um, but I got a little bored. <laughs> so、um, I decided to volunteer for a、um, for an, a support group for expat parents, and they issued a monthly、um, magazine in English about parenting. So I, I volunteered to join the editing team, and I was like, "Oh, I really enjoy this," and I thought I was actually quite good at it. So I thought, well. Why don't I try to do this as something that and get paid for it?、Mm-hmm. Um, and I also realized, like, actually, this is a profession. Like, I didn't really think about that in the past. So I started、uh, just freelancing,、um, doing more like taking courses as well to sort of get like editing specific skills. Yeah, I started off very small.、Um, I'm still a freelancer. I don't hire other people. But I've been lucky. Like, I kind of got back into also the UN like international development field. Through old friends and contacts, actually、mm-hmm. saying like you know, I do this now,、um, and yes, it's been really nice to kind of be back in the field that I was trained for, like international development, but using these new skills, newly rediscovered, let's say,、um, skills, and just going at it from a different angle has been really. It's it's been really. Like fun, actually. <laughs> yeah, what yeah. an exciting journey! I'm so happy for you. This is really, really、yeah. amazing. Before we go into this, I, it, it seems very simple and plain, actually. But maybe it's worth taking a second to explain what does an editor do. That's actually a very good point.、Yeah. Um, all right, and even with editing, there's very different people do different things. But what I am doing is that I take what people have, like for example, whether an academic or the, somebody in the organization has written something. And I go through it and just kind of try to make sure that the message. Like, first of all, if I understand what they're trying to say,、mm-hmm. um, and of course, a lot of the people I work with, English is their you know second, third, fourth, whatever, fifth language.、Um, so they have very different levels of comfort with English. And so my job is just kind of to make sure that it、um, that it makes sense, that I understand what they're saying, and try to help them so that. Yes, of course, there's grammar involved and whatnot, but it's more about kind of organizing it, cutting down the words that don't add any clarity to things, so that it, it's all hopefully streamlined、mm-hmm. and something that other people can read and also understand. Yeah. So, is there different levels? I have the feeling. Tell me if I'm right, but I've been looking、yeah. through your great blog, and、um, I feel like there's different levels in editing. There is the Yeah. Spelling, obviously, the basic spelling check. But then there is the understanding of what's being said, and then maybe more the design,、yeah. like the visual aspect. Right. 
Yeah, there really is. And a lot of some of the things I don't do, I mean, it starts from like very much developmental helping people organize the chunks of information that they want to um, the intermediate level is kind of what I do working with like the paragraphs and the sentences level. Um, and then there's also kind of like a little bit of like the cosmetic bit where because every organization usually has like a style we want things spelled with the UK way and we want the headings to look like this and things like this. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like making things cosmetically look the way the organization wants. And then um, again, I don't do this too much, but there's also proofreading, which is like when you have a PDF file and you, somebody goes through, just make sure that there's no remaining typos or something funny that shouldn't be there. So yeah, there, there are a lot of different levels. Yeah. So let's try to simplify that, actually. <laughs> First of all, I would like to know, based on what you see, and you're part of our community of global nomads and global entrepreneurs who do blogging and, and create a lot of content and amazing content and uh, very helpful content for their audience. But what is the one big mistake you see people do? I really think, and this goes for people who whose English is their first, like, that's their language and also people who have learned it as an older uh, as they grew up is that i think people try to they feel like i have to sound sophisticated i have to sound mm -hmm. professional and end up using words that really actually you don't need to like i feel mm -hmm. like you can just relax like especially for the writing that most of us do which is you know like websites um, we want to talk about our product our services answer questions um, maybe you have to give instructions if you're if you have a product of some sort it's like, relax, it's okay. Like just write as almost conversationally, like pretend you're talking to a friend or a colleague or somebody and you're explaining something to them. Like that's the level you can write at. Like you don't have to write instead of like, I have to sound formal and, and use these big words that actually don't help with the understanding. Like, you know, readers don't really like, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you talk a lot about, plain language or clear English. So can you tell us more about that? Because basically you're advocating for people to, to, to write in plain language. And actually some of yeah. your tips might be helpful, even for those of you listening who don't have content in English, like who in Spanish or any other language that your audience is focused on. I, I'm, I'm guessing, right, that whatever you're talking about is something not just about English, but but you do tell me if I'm wrong, by the way. Is, would no, you no, agree with it's, that? it's abso absolutely because yeah. um, interestingly, like some of the colleagues I've been talking with, like editors and then translators mm -hmm. say like, we want to use plain language because first it helps with the translation even and the it exists in different languages. So plain language is actually a movement. So it's mm -hmm. like a lot of practitioners, organizations even who say like, we want to promote writing that it's clear so that somebody reading it, your audience can find the information they need, understand it the first time they read it, and use that information. I mean, to be clear, I'm talking about like informational writing, like not like novels and creative writing and poetry. Like it's, it, that's, a, that's different. I have, not, I, I have no advice to give about that. That's not my realm. Yeah. But plain language is really about getting information across so that your target audience, it's, it's audience-centered. So mm -hmm. it really um, tries, uh, tries to match your audience's needs which I know like you talk a lot about like um, doing your marketing research and you meet your clients, you know, with, uh, what they need. And it's exactly the same thing. It's the same idea. Like you are meeting your audience, your readers, your clients where they are. Um, and so, yes, the principles can be carried over different languages. The mechanics of it might change, of course, 
because mm-hmm. you know our languages have our quirks. Even within English, is somebody speaking an Indian English to an Indian audience might mm-hmm. approach it slightly differently than, uh, say, an American English speaker with an American audience. But but I think the principles are the same. Yeah, the point so is to get it across clearly. Keep it simple and almost colloquial. Would you say that? Yes, and but not like because you don't want to use slang and. Yeah. Like you don't want it to be. So, for example, like um, instead of saying like we will initiate our contact or we initiate our project, like when you're talking to someone, like what's another word you would use for initiate that you would use in conversation? Start. I ask you. Yeah, exactly. Like mm-hmm. we'll start. Our, you know, we'll start talking about this, or we'll start mm-hmm. the project now, or we'll we'll start the recording now. So, just to use the words, it doesn't mean you have to talk like baby talk. You know, you can still use grown-up words, yeah. but if you have a choice, use the the simpler, more conversational word. Yeah. But I mean, it gets complicated too if your audience is from different, like yeah. they speak different languages. So yeah, it's it's not it's not like a rule that you can follow always. It's kind of more like a guideline you have to keep in mind. Yeah, it's hard to in the format of a podcast to go into like practical, yeah. practical. I love to go into practical advice. This is going to be a bit more tricky, but we'll try. However, before I go there and try, <laughs> um, I want to know why is it important for you? Because it, like you said, it's a movement. I, I did not even know that there was a movement about plain language. And there's a conference out there, a worldwide yeah. conference about plain language. Because why do you think it's important? This movement is important. Yeah. So it really has to do with, I mean, going back to like inclusion and access, it really has to do about people's rights. Mm-hmm. And it kind of has its origins in, um, like you think about like legal language, the law, it's like something that you have to be a trained lawyer to understand. And so the movement kind of came about saying like, look, this is the law. It affects everyone's lives, like our lives. We need to understand what the law says, what our rights are and how to exercise those rights. And to do that, you have to write in a language that we can, anybody can understand. So that's really like where it comes from. And so it's all about the languages gives the power back to the people, I think is the idea. And that's why it's imp- I, like, I, I think it resonates with me too, because when you write like very difficult language, you're kind of hiding your information. You're holding it like the small people who can understand it are holding on to that information. And the idea is that if you make it so that people in general can understand it, it gives them the power. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, when you think about healthcare, like, I mean, all this COVID pandemic stuff, like if you don't understand what the advice is because it's too technical or with, like, what good is that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you want everybody to be able to understand what the risks are, what they need to do, how to protect themselves, what to do, like things like this. So it gives, it's really about, giving people the power to act on, to use that information, mm. to understand it and use it. So I think that's... To democratize yeah. the access to the information in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what you're saying resonates with me a lot as I work with a lot of coaches. And one of the things that I notice as a coach, even with myself, when I started as a marketer, I have all this lingo in marketing that I love and that for me is very effective because in few words, you can talk about high concepts in a way. But then as a coach, we tend to want people to understand the theory behind what we're trying. So we would use very conceptual wording and all of that. And I always say to my clients, don't talk as a coach. You need to speak the language of your audience. Like instead of talking of limiting beliefs, you would 
talk about the actual emotion, like, am I good enough, for example, <laughs> you know, so I yeah. think this is this here plays in the same way I have the feeling like really, if I would summarize a little bit what I hear from you is, it's important to be in the head of your audience, and realize that they don't know what you know. And the yeah. best way to do it is to almost like write like you are talking to a child in a way so yeah. that they can understand. That's really fascinating to hear that, how, how that you see it in, in your coaching like mm -hmm. practice and, and whatnot. I, I think you're, you're right. The psycho social psychologists have some name for this where you assume everybody knows what you know. <laughs> I forget what it's called. Yeah. But um, it's like, you know, it's like another thing is like, you know, don't use the technical words. And it makes sense if you're talking with colleagues in your same profession, then yes, of course, use those technical words because they at least should understand the same thing by using those words and you don't have to like explain every time mm. so it's by the audience right but if you're talking to like just regular people your you know your clients or your clients clients they won't understand those so and i think what you did you you give a great example because you talk specifics mm. like you don't talk about kind of concepts but you give them specifics to paint that picture right to communicate so yeah, I think that's, yeah, that, that's really interesting to hear from your end. <laughs> so I, I'm interested actually about, I know in, in, those of you are listening to Anim Nomad, some of you have English as your native language. And then those of you, no, actually, let's, let's even forget about English as the native language. Some of you who are listening are either communicating in your native language, be it English or something else to your audience, or you are like me who have no native language. So you just don't have a mother tongue. You're completely, <laughs> or you actually are targeting an audience in a different language than your native language. And so these are the three categories that I know are listening to the podcast. So is there any one tip that you could offer according to which situation you are in? Because I think that the process of writing is different, whether we're native language or just like me, who was so lost about how to write because I just didn't have any, <laughs> or when I actually don't even write in the language of my audience, anything that you can share here? I think that's a real, I mean, that gets to the heart of the matter, right? And I honestly don't have an answer for this, but just to say that, um, so when I'm talking about English, for example, there is kind of this international English, English, and what it basically comes down to is that you limit the number of the different words you use. So it kind of limits your expression in that mm -hmm. sense. Because, you know, if you were expressing yourself in the way that you like, you have all these words you can use. But if you kind of, you have to kind of, you might have to bring it down to sort of that, the lowest common denominator, like something that everyone can understand, which you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge, right? Because um, it might mean that you can't, be as expressive as you want. So it's always like a balancing act mm -hmm. in a way. And it, and it does really, yeah, again, it really depends on who you're, who's your audience, who you're trying to reach and getting to their level. But yeah, like you said, it's, it's not, there's no easy way to do it. And I think it's something that I also am really interested <laughs> to learn more about. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um, for me, it, what has helped me, and I would love to see if there's any other practical tips like these with writing, because I was not comfortable writing in any language, by the way, because my whole childhood have been bounced from a school system to another and discovered late that I had dyslexia. And um, so these were all challenges that made me 
really feel uncomfortable with writing and even reading. So what I've been doing, I'm, I'm putting myself in the reader's position and the writer's position is to keep it simple by saying, let me just focus on the basic grammatical uh, function of a sentence, subject, verb, complement, dot. <laughs> and I'm like, let's keep the sentences short and small. And instead of, for example, my background in French is like you would have a sentence that would be like three or four lines. And that's one <laughs> sentence in French. And I think maybe, yeah, that's one thing that helped me demystify writing is to say, let me just keep one sentence, subject, verb, complement, and just keep it simple that way. I don't know if there's any other practical things that you can recommend. Or First of all, do you agree with that? Maybe I'm just... Yes, absolutely agree with that. I think you are on the dot. And it's 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 wonderful for me to hear this because I've been reading about the theory of it, right? <laughs> on how to make your language plain. And to hear from somebody who's from the reader's side and, and the writer's side to like say that is it's perfect it's like seriously one of the top tips is yes. keep your sentences short like yeah. focus one message per sentence like don't try to cram and connect all these things because your reader will get confused and you will get confused while you're writing it to say like what the heck was i trying to say here so that is actually the, one of the top tips of keep it short yay you know if you have a long <laughs> sentence just cut it down like you know just cut it or make a list maybe sometimes like it can help to just break it up I, yeah. And I think, so the first thing you want to do is actually, even before you start writing, you have to kind of have it clearly organized in your head. Like what's mm -hmm. the most, okay, so first you start off with who's your audience? Like, what do they know? What did they probably not know? What would they want to know? Like, what are their needs, right? So you have to kind of know who you're writing for. And then you also have to know, like, what are you trying to get across? Like, what do you want them to, the audience to, to think or know or feel or do after the reading. So you have to have that very clearly in your head. I mean, write it out, like, you know, just scribble some notes or whatever it is. And, and then you have to organize it. You also have to think like, what do you not need to include? I think especially like with the websites, the screen is limited space. So people are not going to look at everything and go all the way down to find some information. They want to see it at top. So especially for websites, you know, just put it, put the, what's the most important things and put it at the top and make it obvious. Like, don't try to be clever and hide it away. Just put it up there. So thinking first, like organizing your thoughts, what to put in, what not to put in is very important. Um, organizing and the flow of it, right? Like, does it make sense? Keep the sentences short. Don't use slang. Try to avoid technical words as much as possible. And then the other thing is don't underestimate the visuals. I mean, because we're not, all designers i'm not a designer the good news is you don't have to be a designer actually there's some basic things you can do to make things look good but that's not really the purpose it's to make things yeah. understandable so you know like for again for a website or even like brochures or whatever it is you want to use make use of headings right subheadings and don't just make like a subheading like introduction background rationale like you just you make make that subheading a statement saying like this is the problem or this is your problem so that people can just scan at the subheadings exactly. and get the main points and, you know, not over like with slides and things you've always, every, all of us have seen like the overwhelmingly cluttered slide. Yeah. And that's really, you know, don't, you don't need to do that. Just pick like you have again, organization, like think what are the key things that you want to get across one idea per sentence, like no more. And the subheading, for example, also matters with them. Um, 
what we commonly think of as accessibility. So people with various kinds of impairments, like if you think of somebody who has visual impairments and they're using a screen reader, if you have your web page with proper tags like heading one, heading two, heading three, they would actually be able to pick out the key points, but um, it lets them navigate more easily on your page as well. Mm -hmm. So that it makes sense for anybody because things are organized and the important things sort of pop out, but it also helps with accessibility. And mm -hmm. it's not just like people with like, you know, what we consider disabilities or whatever. You think about somebody who's, I don't know, had a concussion and just can't mm -hmm. focus or mm -hmm all of us busy, stressed expats who've just moved. And we really just want that piece of information, like an answer to our question, like yes. quickly, like we don't have time or the patience or the attention or the emotional space to scroll like a lot of pages. We just want boom, 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 find it. So it's really, um, I say it's visual organization, but it's it's not because it's visual that it's important. It's, it's actually the organization part, like organize your content. Oh my um, God, this and, is so good. Yeah, that will help everybody in fact it'll help you too like when you're writing to organize your thoughts and be like what actually is the most important thing i want to get across yeah. and i just put in one more word saying that um you know we're all a lot of us are doing social media and i think mm -hmm. that's great i think that's actually a great training because especially with twitter you're forced to write like the core <laughs> message and i think it's great practice and and I think that actually we should carry that over to our somewhat longer pieces of writing as well, because it's the same thing. Like, what are the main thing? What's the main thing I want to get across? I love it. All right, Nomination, I hope that you listen to this carefully. And I would suggest that you go back a little bit and listen to this again <laughs> and actually write down what are the things I'm doing? What are the things I can simplify? And you've just shared so many great tips here. You actually made me think of, I've read some great blogs in your article, and I would love to share them on the show notes of this episode. Uh, I think you'll send us some of those as well. Uh, Nomad Nation, if you want more, like, especially for example, when you talked about design and, and how to actually edit in terms of visually, that's something very important for me because I struggle with that as well. And when I read, if there's too many paragraphs and texts coming together, it's not just about the wording, it's also how visually it's presented. I just can't read it. My brain cannot process that. Yeah. And I think this is really important to think of inclusion um, as well when we write. Just a side note here, Emma, and also those of you who are listening, I had a fascinating conversation with somebody who works at Amazon, and I'm gonna try to get him on the show, who actually works in inclusion for websites and making sure that, wow. and, and I learned something with him and he said, not only when you actually write in simple plain language, like you mentioned, but also think of inclusion, you're actually increasing your SEO because SEO, search engine optimization tools are also simple. They can't function with complex, like, so not only when you, when you work on inclusion, being inclusive with your copywriting, you're actually also increasing your chances to be ranked properly on Google. So you get to hit two birds with one stone. I hate this expression. So we have to find another one. <laughs> Why would you want to hit birds? But you see what I mean? So I think you, you I will really try hard to get this person, um, share with us what Amazon is doing in terms of inclusion for that. Yeah, but I love what you're sharing. And you have an article where you give an example of visually how that looks like, like when you um, when you write in an inclusive manner in terms of visual aspect as well, uh, versus when you don't. So I'm going to share that as well. That would be great. Yeah, I will send a list. <laughs> I probably have too many, but I would be really curious to know like which ones you found most useful. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but it's really like I really love tell. I mean, I'm also learning as I'm going. Like I, I talk about this a lot because I think about it a lot. But I'm by no means the most expert person out there, and it just fascinates me how I believe in plain language, but that how that affects inclusion is also super fascinating to me.、Um, like whether it's about disabilities, language ability, like whatever it is,、um, and SEO. Like what? What's there to lose? This is amazing, <laughs>、um, right? Yeah, because I mean, there's a famous. Study done about oh, and also another benefit is that people who are reading you will think you're smarter when you write in plain language. Because there was a study done where this was about health information. There were two groups of people. One group read some document about some health information. The other one read the same content but written in plain language. And the、um, readers who read the plain language version rated their the author. Whom they've ever met, but they said, "Oh, we think the author is intelligent." So they thought the author was smarter, and they also believed the content more.、Mm-hmm. So it helps. So if you if you can write in a clearer way, it means that the audience will think you're smarter, and they're more likely to believe what you say. So it's like it's all wins. There's no reason not to do it.、And、it's so funny.、Yeah. You read my mind because that was exactly my next question that I wanted to share with you and ask you. Uh, about sounding smart, <laughs> because I know that sometimes, and I'm guilty of that. I want to sound fancy and smart in what I'm writing, but I have all these. My husband keeps making fun of me because he's the only person. Sometimes I get to use those. You know, when you speak French, there are normal, casual, everyday words in French, but in English they are very sophisticated, and it makes you sound really smart. So there's this. This feeling, like, oh, if I write that way, I will sound smarter and more intelligent and more sophisticated. And it's interesting to hear from you that it's actually the opposite. Yeah, it's funny, like how because we all and there's other studies done that was similar to this, but like we all think that people want us、um, will see us as more intelligent and as more you know whatever by writing this way. But like in practice, we I mean, you think about yourself. It's like actually no, I would prefer to read something I understand. <laughs> Um, and not be made to feel stupid because the other thing is,、um, if you read something that sounds very sophisticated, and I'm not accusing you of doing this at all, I'm just thinking, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking like、Don't、insurance、worry. policies and whatnot. <laughs> But like, you know, and you think like, oh, this sounds really like smart. It uses big words. I don't understand it. I must be stupid.、Um, and I feel like, like I do this、same. too. And I'm just like, it's like, no, we as readers, we shouldn't be made to feel stupid because we don't understand. So yeah, by wanting I, I really, to sound smart, we're actually putting down our audience. We might be, yeah,、mm-hmm. yeah. I love that perspective. Yeah, I, I want to give one more objection and see how you answer to that one because this <laughs> is the one thing that I had to deal with sometimes, and I think it's because of the French background, maybe where the French writing is very attached to the academy. You have this French Letters Academy, and you have every year you know who's the The person who have、uh, this award every year, so it's really important in French to to save the 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 roots of this language somehow. And I've heard many times this、uh, comment, and I've said it as well, that the more simple we get, the more we kind of lose the charm of the language and the and the,、um, it it becomes more and more almost slangy. <laughs> For example, when I listen to people from Africa speaking French, it's so beautiful, it's so eloquent,、mm. and and the language has evolved in France, and it's more simple actually. So, how would you answer to those who are saying it's such a shame to speak plain language when 
when the language sophistication can actually be beautiful and poetic. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get that. And I think it's easier when you're in a language that, um, I mean, you have in English too, people who are like, oh, we're dumbing things down. Um, But it's a lot easier when you're in a language or a culture who's more about like simplifying directness. I think Sweden has a very strong Mm. play language movement because their culture is very much towards streamlining of it. Um, So, no, I don't have an answer to that. But I also think that Again, it depends on your audience, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are writing business materials and, and you want to sound a little bit charming, then of course, you know, you might want to use knowingly, like be conscious of what you're doing, of course, but um, use it. If, if you're talking to, if you're writing for a very broad French speaking audience um, yeah. of different literacy levels, um, maybe you have to kind of forego that. But yeah. I think there's sort of the, places and the what do you call it, the um the time, right yeah. time and place yeah exactly to to switch your language and I think it's just important to be conscious of mm. what you're doing to I mean to some extent of course when you're writing you're just writing yeah um and you have to kind of go back to it and revise and that's where you do a bit yeah. of your conscious thinking of what you're what you're aiming for but yeah and I, I love that yeah, you're like saying that. it's about like choosing what language to use when and that's something as global nomads we're kind of used to that right um but i like that like there's a time and place for everything and when it's about creating content for your business and the online audience it's important to think of the audience first and then if you like to mm. fancy then hang out with the people who like that too <laughs> somehow but um or or I think yeah it's it's a bit of a different purpose somehow for sure yeah yeah yeah. but I mean there's there's always it's there's no clear answer it's always going to be sort of a balancing act of what you kind of want to do and yeah 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 the occasion calls for we could go on with this conversation I love this (laughs) conversation so is there anything before we say goodbye that you think we didn't touch upon that you really want to insist on when it's about writing in plain English or or plain language in, in general no matter what language you were writing well for me I think we have covered a lot and um, one thing is actually just in general please don't be overwhelmed by what you heard today <laughs> because writing is not something you can learn how to do overnight right we've spent our whole lives and we're always working on our, our writings so I really think it's just a matter of pick one or two things that you thought, oh, I really want to change that. Or, oh, I do this all the time. I think I want to fix it. Or, oh, I can do that. And just work on, just pick one or two things. Like just work on that. You know, don't let yourself feel like, oh my gosh, it's too much. I can't do this. I don't want to write kind of thing. Like little steps. And I say this as from my perspective too, because I look at my blog post from three years ago, as opposed to now, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I can see the difference. So it's a long-term thing. Yeah. I love it. I love it. But it really, I think it makes a difference. So it's keep so it <laughs> important that you're highlighting that. And um, so tell us what kind of, uh, how do you help your clients? What kind of services do you provide um, as an editor? Uh, usually it's just, you know, people come to me or I work with organizations um, primarily, but um, people say, can you look at this? And they tell me what they want in sense of, I would like um, to make sure that the flow works. Or is it like, I want you to look for type Um, and what it's for so I I get a sense of what they want and then what I do is I usually you know comment on and saying like okay this part is this what you're trying to say and how about rewording it this way and that kind of going back and forth usually once or twice um, so that hopefully they can 
they, the writers, can make the decision on what they want to do with that text. Um, yeah. That's fantastic. So, it's yeah. really, I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. So tell us where's the best place to find you? Uh, on my website probably would be the easiest yeah. way. I'm also on LinkedIn, happy to make connections. Um, and I, I can probably tell I love talking and thinking about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm always happy for people who are like have questions or ideas or you know, share something that they found. Um, it's really useful. Your passion comes across and it's been such a joy to talk <laughs> about this with you. Thank you so much for coming here. And Nomad Nation, I will put in a lot of the resources and information about Emma and her great articles. So go to tandemnomads.com slash 258 and you'll find all those uh, information. Thank you so much, Emma. It's been Thank such you, a Emma. great pleasure. It's been an honor and it's been a fun. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Nomad Nation, I hope you found great inspiration here to learn to keep it simple and demystify what writing is about. I hope that you're not where I was a few years ago, but definitely there's always room for improvement when we get to writing and thinking of your audience and being inclusive as well of those who don't have the same abilities to read fast is really important. And this is one of the key messages we wanted to share here for you. So thank you for listening and can't wait to meet you in the next episode. Stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.